0: This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood
1: Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmaurice. Well, you call me Fitzy, how's that? Um, wherever you are listening to this, I don't know, walking the dogs on the beach uh just having a nice little stroll thinking a little put a little bit of content on thank you thank you for choosing us much appreciated particularly if you're a little fan and you want to get a few things off your chest and hopefully we get them off that chest on your behalf uh and thanks for listening to all of the blood red of course uh podcasts uh, Le Rouge, all the lads up there and and, uh, and all the stat ones and all the brilliant ones that at uh, Liverpool Echo provide uh, this is just but one. Uh, we, could, um, we could we could we uh, could subtitle uh, this episode with a lot of subtitles. One of them could be, "What's wrong with Artabello? The trouble with Bello. Um But we'll just say the trouble with Liverpool at the moment. I guess I'm joined by Theo Squires. How are you doing, Theo? Not too bad, Fritzy. How are you? I'm not too mm-hmm. bad. I'm loving the uh, what's the uh, the number nine at the back? Is that um, Torres? Fowler. Fowler, of course. Robbie in it. God himself. <laughs> It's by the ethereal man himself? Yeah, it is. It was a Christmas present a couple of years ago. Very, very nice. Uh, he, probably pride fit, place. he probably won't fit in it now, of course. Uh, <laughs> Robbie, a money joke. Um, and Tom Cavill is with us as well. How are you, Tom?
1: Hi, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, all good.
2: Good luck. You look like you're just about to go on the sunbed behind you there the stand up. <laughs> where, where are we there? The,
1: just, just in the office, just a reflection
2: from outside reflection from the sunbed outside um all right boys welcome thank you for joining this podcast obviously we've had some glorious podcasts uh in recent seasons where we've just you know wax lyrical about the beauty and the, the intensity and the wonder of liverpool football club well listen, the flip side of the coin we did say at the time you enjoy the good times you enjoy the not so good times um you know it's not a disaster but it's not particularly good either we are um, we're playing in a bit of a flux at the moment, aren't we? Let's be honest with you. We'll, 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 we'll briefly talk about the uh, the Brighton game before we get on to Rangers. Brighton, um, I was at the, se- the game last season when we drew 2-2. We had a disallowed goal, Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane, but one of his wonderful interceptions that was adjudged offside or oh, handball. Um, but we knew when we get with Brighton they're, they're, they're a half-decent side. Uh, Trossard's always very, very dangerous as he proved. But... Um, Shipping another three at home, Theo, against Brighton is just not the Liverpool we're used to seeing, is it, mate? And um, yet again, you'd have to say, um, I don't want to be part of the growing army getting on Trent's back, but certainly for that game, uh, responsible for, or pretty much involved in all three of the, uh, the goals that we conceded.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a pretty watch, was it, that Brighton game? Um, it's a strange one where Liverpool get the draw, they get the comeback, and you're thinking you could be disappointed the fact that they haven't held on to get all three points, but they could have easily been three or four nil down before they even forged that comeback. The, the atmosphere was flat inside Anfield. The players were slow, uh, slow to everything. Um, Passing was awful. Klopp said himself post-match, he, he didn't think Liverpool were going to hold on for the a 3-2 lead. And it didn't feel in the stadium like they were even going to forge this comeback when they were two nil down. There was no... Instinct there, there's no like killer feeling that you know we used to like Liverpool play to the final whistle getting these goals that win them games and famous comebacks be it I don't know Norwich City and Klopp's first season Borussia Dortmund or the most famous one against Barcelona or pretty much half the the Premier League winning season (laughs) where it was every single game was this late winner or impressive comeback that that feeling's left Liverpool at the moment and it, it was just when you lucks out, you lucks out for Trent. Like all this talk about him uh, not being at his best defensively, being out of form. He, he slips for the first goal, and he's unlucky that Henderson doesn't follow up his first clearance, but he's there right in the middle of it as Brighton take advantage. The second one, he, he's not aware, I think, of Welbeck around him and they get in for the, that. And the third one, I think the cross has come from his side. Van Dijk doesn't clear it, and Trossard's there to get the hat-trick. It's just... Everything went against him, but it wasn't just Trent. It was like the whole Liverpool team were awful against Brighton for the majority. You could put that down to um, the midfield, not covering him, protecting him. Henderson was very central rather than giving him that protection on the right. Um, Joel Matip wasn't covering the gap alongside him either. But then it's also weird when you see Liverpool attacking and he's the furthest man forward or he's in this number 10 position and then slowly jogging back and you have to watch Mohamed Salah sprint back to track the wing back. Um, All we can say is thank goodness it was so much better against Rangers and the change of system seemed to help. But having said all that and been negative against Liverpool, let's not forget Brighton are a good side. What Graham Potter did there before he went to Chelsea was very, very impressive. They might still be a small name and a side you think of as a newly promoted Premier League team, but it, they've done wonders there. They've got the setup just right, and they are quite rightly in the top four at the moment. Probably not going to be there come the end of the season, but you'd expect, expect them to be challenging for European football. They've got a great system that suits the players, and that's what did it for Liverpool. It was two wing-backs and the um, attacking midfielders just running at one fullback. We're always going to be outnumbered there, but they got everything spot on, and it's just testament to the work they've been doing over the last few years. Uh, they're not the small Brighton that we're used to, they can get these uh results you wouldn't expect these draws or wins against big teams. Like we can at least enjoy them battering United twice a season these days. Um, but yeah, it still wasn't a pretty watch for Liverpool, even without saying all that.
2: No, absolutely not. And Tom, you know, you can, you, 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 Theo's right, I mean. Uh, in a sense, that uh, you know, Trent's come in for a lot of unfair stick and, and, and he's, he's named the goals uh, that, that, that Trent was, was a part of, one way or the other. But the sad fact of the matter is that, I mean, going forward, no one's arguing with the kid. I mean, he proved against Rangers, he, he's, but are we getting to the point now where he's a midfielder trapped in a, a right back's body? Because the problem is, um, certainly for the second goal, he's chesting down a ball. Thinking he's got all the time in the world, that's not a chested down ball for anyone with any defensive qualities. That's getting thumped with the forehead, isn't it? That's getting headed way beyond the halfway line, or it's getting place headed to another player. Um, we've got we've got Trent who's trying to like gracefully chest this ball down as though he's 40 yards further up the pitch. I mean, it, it's it, however way you slice this. I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would imagine that um, the vast majority of goals conceded by Liverpool this season have come from that side of the pitch, which means that people are playing to that side of the pitch because they know they're going to get a result there. And it's the side of the pitch where predominantly Trent is, or usually out of position with Matip having to sort of bicycle back as well and try and help. It's not right, is it? It's unbalanced. Um And we're getting to the point, I think, Tom, aren't we, where where we have to say, uh, all right, Trent would be a very effective midfield player, but get a right back in them because, or keep him right back and tell him to be disciplined Um, because one way or the other, the team as a whole, confidence-wise, and uh, goal conceding-wise is suffering.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, just touching on, like you said, about people targeting that right back area, I think this season i know everyone's been making a big deal about it you know the fact that teams are targeting him and you know trying to expose that weakness but you know we've seen it it's not just this not something new for this season we've seen it last year the year before that teams will constantly put balls into that back post where trent is to try and uh, you know win headers or i think it was that brentford game away from home last season particularly saw it quite a lot that match they were just sort of pinging balls to the back post where Trent was supposed to be. And, you know, quite often he does get, um, you know, out-muscled in the air. We sort of Mitrovic as well, start of this season. It's obviously a weakness, Trent. You know, Klopp is very aware of that. You know, I'm sure he's had these conversations with him about what he needs to be doing, his positioning, that kind of thing. But I think the thing with Trent is Klopp knows what he offers in the final third of the pitch going forwards. And, And, you know, it kind of comes across that, He's prepared to have that sacrifice of you know Trent not being the most capable defensively. But what he offers going forward sort of outweighs that in a way. So I know there's this conversation about, like you said, maybe he should be more suited to midfield. But I just think if it's something Klopp thought needed to happen, he would have already done it. Southgate, you know, he mentioned it as well. I can't remember what it was, maybe about a year ago about playing Trent in midfield. He tried it in that one game. And then Klopp was asked about you know, what he thought about it. Would he consider it? And I think he just replied saying, why would I put the best right back in the world in midfield? So I think Klopp's already made his mind up on it. It looks like that he's not prepared to sort of shift him into midfield. You know Whether or not that comes back to sort of Port Liverpool, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think it's just been a difficult period for him. He's obviously bounced back a little bit against Rangers. And um, you know now going forward, we'll just hope to see a bit more consistency from him because like you said it hasn't been a great start from Trent but we've seen it at times he, he can defend well there has been games where he has played well in defence um I think it was the Champions League final against Real Madrid a few years ago he was very strong in that game defensively even though he was coming up against you know Ronaldo and people like that that game so I, I think we've got to trust Trent and Klopp I think Klopp's obviously you know he's made up his mind about it you know maybe whether that changes Further down the line, we'll have to see, but I think for the moment we won't be seeing Trent sort of push forward at all. Poetry in motion on the blood red channel.
2: Well, you say that, Tom. He does it every game. This is my point. I mean, Klopp is saying he doesn't want to play him in midfield, and he and and he's a right back. Why should he put a right back in midfield? He 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 goes out of position in every single game. He is. Sometimes the furthest up the pitch, you would argue in some matches that he's that he's not centre mid, because he's he's just outside the box. I don't. This is what I, I I'm I'm getting confused with. It seems to me that Klopp has decided to start him as a right back, but he's saying to him, get forward at every possible chance you can, uh, and other people will cover. Um, You know, Virgil, if Virgil van Dijk went up for a corner and stayed up there. Klopp would be screaming at him to get back. If any other positional player played out of their position for the amount of time that Trent does, he'd be screaming at them, but he doesn't. So clearly, this is an arrangement that Klopp is orchestrating to say to Trent, whenever you possibly can, get up the pitch, get into a midfielder's role and try supplying the last third with the little wand of a right foot. Or, you know, and, um, but it's not working because, we're, because we are conceding a vast majority of our goals, as a result of this happening, um, he's either jogging back. I mean, the third goal against Brighton was that was one of those given goals around Trent again, where he makes no attempt to to, to do either or. He just sort of jogs back, and uh, you know, you know, you're right. The ball is crossed and it, it passes Matip and Van Dijk on the way to uh, Trossard, but um, it ju- it just seems to me that this is clearly a tactic to, to Jurgen Klopp. I don't know whether after the United game when he, or whatever game it was, he started talking about reinvention. Um, uh, I don't know whether his idea is to try and bolster what he feels is a weaker midfield, um, attacking-wise. By as soon as that whistle goes, any chance he gets, he's 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 sort of adding a, a third or fourth midfielder into the into the into the mix by by making Trent do that. But Theo, this is clearly this isn't accidental. This is something that Klopp is asking him to do and he's asking him to do it and it's it's so far it's it's the prime reason why we're scored we're leaking more goals than we have done in a long long time at anfield and and getting of draws and and conceding it they're all virtually all from that side of the pitch so this is something that the the club is 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 allowing to happen in many ways is it not
0: it's something that he's admitted is a, a deliberate tactic, and he went into it um, in quite a lot of detail. I think their tactical setup in his embargo section last week before the Brighton game, um, when he's talking about, well, Liverpool, they play this high pressing game, and the way to make the high press more effective is to swamp players on the ball. So that has Trent running forward and say, This is a tactic that isn't new. They've been doing it for a number of years, the high press, and it has been efficient, it has been effective. And nine times out of ten, Trent would win that high ball, or Salah, Henderson, whatever. And then Liverpool are outnumbering them in the final third, they get crosses in, they score lots of goals. But then we had the Champions League final last year, and Carlo Ancelotti comes out and says Liverpool are very predictable how they're going to play and they're easy to stop. And it seems since then a lot of teams have figured them out. And it's the case of you just play a few passes together. Then they're out of position. you lost one ball in. You're in behind Trent. And there's only so many times, I suppose, you can have the fitness to go up and down that pitch. His work rate hasn't been right. Like We've seen him just jogging back a number of times and not making that effort to get back. But he hasn't been protected by the midfield or by his right centre-back. Klopp said it was, well, you're still supposed to have three at the back. You have your centre-backs with the right-sided centre-back covering Trent. And say Fabinho drops in as the third man in the middle, so you still have that protection there. But it wasn't working. Teams were just passing around Liverpool, they were finding those gaps. And it, it suited Brighton especially with that wing-back, because then when Trent was back, as you can say, you do just do the give-and-go around him, because you've got two players outnumbering him. But that's why we saw the tactical change against Rangers. And Pop addressed this as well. He, he said, um, we wanted to defend differently what we've been doing hasn't been working. We wanted to defend differently and we saw the benefits of that. It's hard to say how effective this new four-four-two, four-two-three-one, whatever you want to call it. Formation will work against an Arsenal or a Man City, but against Rangers with two in midfield, it worked. Uh, if you look at the positioning for the majority of the game, Trent wasn't getting as far forward as often as he normally was. So I think Simicast was a bit down the left-hand side to have um, Tavernier back but Trent was holding his line more and getting up when he really needed to. And he was putting the effort in to get back. So there are times when he was the third man in the defence because there wasn't a Fabinho in front of them in midfield to drop in. And then he would get in, he'd get forward, he'd put crosses into the box and he looked a lot more comfortable in that role and confident. And that's something we want to see. That's a starting point. I don't think the 4-2-3-1 will be the formation Liverpool finish the season in. I think once they find some form, find some confidence... Klopp will slowly revert back to type, back to the 4-3-3 when players are at their top form, at the top of fitness and they can do it efficiently. But at the moment, they needed to be a bit sturdier and he's found this compromise to get goals, to get a bit more protection in the midfield, to have the defence a bit more sturdy. And it worked. We just got to hope that if he sticks with it against um, Arsenal and Man City, it works again. But it's just Liverpool have played this high-risk system for so long now and it's worked. So one time... It doesn't work, as we've seen for the last two, three months. Everyone jumps on it because it is a high risk. You know it's a high risk. Klopp himself says it's a high risk, but it's a risk worth taking when you can get it right. This year, Liverpool just haven't been at the races and it hasn't worked.
1: Yeah, uh,
2: uh, and, and it's it makes sense to, to revert back to type. I mean, that's essentially what you've what you've just said, isn't it? Klopp has decided to, he's tried to do this thing where Trent, you know, belts up the pitch, but it isn't working. There was a lot more stability. Yes, it was Rangers, and to be fair, Rangers had one cleared off the line and could have scored anyway. Um, their goalkeeper had a blinder, saved four or five nailed-on chances, so it could have gone either way. <clears throat> but that would suggest then what you just said, Theo, that, that that putting putting him back to where he should be as a right back uh, and allowing him every now and again, perhaps in certain areas, to go forward is is the way is the way we should have should have gone from the word go, isn't it really? I think he did start that against Fulham, but he, there seems to have been a bit of a, a panic in Klopp's mind because what he was watching on the pitch just didn't didn't add up to anything he'd been seeing in training, Tom. So I think he's he's made a judgment call. It hasn't worked and we need desperately... I mean, yes, Rangers is going to be a tough game and I would imagine they're going to be leaving a leg in at Ibrox. Um, I'm very, very worried about how Thiago is going to cope because um he he tends to get into tackles he gets lunges into tackles particularly the way our passing is at the moment so i'm hoping if he comes off that pitch after 90 minutes we've got a win and he's still walking then then it's been a victory all around but you have to say too, in midfield against an arsenal or man city um could backfire massively tom
1: <clears throat> it could <clears throat> sorry it could yeah um but i think at the moment Klopp and Liverpool don't really have you know much other option than to probably change it really because what we've seen this season is the same outcome happening in every game so far um you know in all the league games really this season it's been like watching the same match over and again in a lot of the games so unless Klopp changes it and tries it again you know you're just probably going to be getting the same results and same outcomes that we've been having in teams against um teams like Brighton that we saw last weekend so you know it is a risk trying it against higher quality opposition like Arsenal and Man City but I just don't see why why Liverpool would go back to sort of sticking with what they've done this season because it's clearly not working and Arsenal and Man City will just follow that same pattern of other sides what they've been doing you know playing that ball over the top looking for the spaces at right back so I, th- I think it would be worth trying it to be honest. Um particularly against Arsenal. I think they're a side that quite open a lot of the time when they're playing as well. So I think it'd definitely be worth trying against Arsenal, maybe against City, maybe got to revert back to, you know, try and entrust it a bit more. But I think particularly against Arsenal, it would be worth trying it to see how it goes because, you know, like I was saying, if if Liverpool just carry on the way they've been going, then the season can sort of get away from them if they're not careful. You know, they're already a considerable distance between Man City and Arsenal. So, you know, if they allow this this uh, pattern to continue, they're going to be you know, 15, 20 points behind if they're not careful. So I think it makes sense to, to make a change. You know, everyone's been you know, complaining about the football we've seen. So I don't think people can then complain if we change it to something different because at least they're trying something new. So I, I would suggest that it'd be worth doing it.
2: Well, I mean, what was very encouraging to the o against Rangers was the was the four up front. I mean, you know, when you see Jota, Nunez and Salah and Diaz all on a front attacking line there, then then that's going to be exciting. I think one of the the problems Liverpool had recent, uh, have had uh, uh, in recent games, well, let's face it, we're seven games in and we're 11 points off the top of the table. We've got a game in hand, but we're 11 points as it stands after seven games. And um, just two wins um, are remarkably poor by Liverpool's standards, by certainly by Liverpool's recent standards. Good to see them four up front. Darwin Nunes um, getting into the right positions, Theo get, doing all the right things. I mean, I, you know, um, the goalkeeper had an absolute blinder, didn't he? Um, but um, you've got to hope that they're going to start hitting the back of the net. And whether or not Klopp's obviously going to give him a run in, in in the team, but. With a with a two in in midfield unlikely against Arsenal and against City and against most probably teams in the Premiership, you wonder how he's going to get that kind of ratio. And again, it's going to have to be one, per, one of those from four, uh, ducking out, isn't it really, and and trying to bolster the midfield. Do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh,
0: like Arsenal, they play the four two three one formation anyway, so it would be like for like if Liverpool go up against it. The only concern is Arsenal are used to that system. Liverpool are still finding their feet in it. Four Rangers they'd only had one day, one session to work on it. But it, it did work against Rangers quite well. It just needs the right players in it. Um, and against Man City, Klopp um, did do it before. I think um, the pandemic year at the Etihad, when they drew, and it was like the best first half you'll ever see between two sides of Premier League football. And then they were all knackered in the second half. So it was a bit of a non-event. But it was Jota Firmino. I think Mane and Salah, and it worked. Liverpool do have the, the legs in midfield there. Uh, so it's an option. It's a system that while it might be the first time he's used it this year, the players do have a little bit of experience of it. And that is just what he feels is best for the games, um, what he feels is the best way to get points off them. Because let's be honest, Liverpool need to win both these games now uh, to stay in title contention. It's, it feels strange saying this in October because Liverpool could win the, the game in hand. And then they're essentially right back up in the the top four. I think there'd only be a point off Brighton. Um, By the time they actually play this game in hand, you'd expect the league table to look rather different because they're not going to be able to fit it in until uh, next year. So while we're all focusing on the Liverpool negatives, a lot of teams have been struggling for the consistency. And Yeah, there's a a gap at the top with um, Arsenal and Man City. But everyone else has been having these weird results where the dropping points where you wouldn't expect them to. I don't think anyone expects Arsenal to still be top two come April, May time. Yeah, probably will be Man City's league, but we say that every year. And then you throw in Haaland, who scores about 20 goals every couple of weeks. <laughs> they're obviously going to be the top of the table. But for Liverpool now, it's just about finding a way back. Like They got through that first period of the season before the international break with a lot of injuries. Now they're getting players back from injury. It's about making sure they're picking up the points to still be touching distance at the very least of the top four when we break for the World Cup and then you just go full at it after the World Cup when you've got a bit more of a normal schedule. You've got your players back from injury and then everything opens up, whether it's in the Champions League, Domestic Cup, Premier League, um, Liverpool players back from injury. They've got a reason to be a little bit confident when it all comes together because it's not as though, well, the table looks pretty ugly at the moment with a ninth, I think. They're not miles off it. They can still rescue this situation. It might be a couple of wins and draws that shouldn't have happened. But then you look, think of the chances Nunes has missed. And I'm doing a piece on this at the moment. There's so many games where you're thinking, oh, if he'd only scored that one against Everton or Palace, Champions League against Ajax. It's like just so many chances where they've gone begging, uh, breaking it down. If you compare it to Haaland, he's having the same sort of number of shots as Haaland, but he's just not as prolific with them. But It's not really a concern because he's in the positions to miss in the first place. And you think it's only a matter of time before his luck turns. You just need to look at his two previous stints. Benfica, I think he only got like six league goals in his first year. And then he had the season of his life, got his move to Anfield. And in Spain, um, he only scored like a couple of goals in his first eight, ten games as well. And that's exactly what he's doing at Liverpool. As long as he's in the positions to have the chances, the goals will come. He's lacked a bit of composure because he's just been... like. Hitting it as hard as he can and it's gone straight at the goalkeeper. McGregor did have a good game, but let's be honest, a number of those shots were straight at him. He had to stand tall and get strong hands to stuff, but it wasn't like saves you wouldn't expect him to make. So it just needs a bit of composure, a bit of time from Nunes. Those goals will flow and then Liverpool will climb the table. Because if he had had a bit more composure and taken a couple of these chances, Liverpool would already be in the top four. He's only played like four Premier League games. How mad is that when we're in October? The suspension didn't help him. But it's been a very stop start start to his Liverpool career. And he still had so many chances. Once the goal's gone, everyone will be happy. Everything will be fine. I know it's very simplistic and it's a bit ifs and buts. But when you're creating that many chances, even with everything going wrong defensively, everything going wrong in midfield, there is enough there to suggest that we will see a real Liverpool in the second half of the season. Touchwood.
2: Well, touching everything, my friend. Yeah, absolutely right. And I suppose, you know, the, as I say, it was very encouraging against, albeit against Rangers, but just to see that four up front, we had a feeling that when it crossed the halfway line, we had a bit of, we had attack and threat. I mean, that's been something that's been lacking. Uh, I st- uh, you know, Salah's wise and, and, and doing his thing where he dances past a couple and doesn't really do a lot with it. You're never really going to get a pass off him. Um, comes up with a penalty though, obviously. Um, so the four up front, you know it gives you a bit of hope, doesn't it, Tom? It gives you a bit of hope that if we can sort out that midfield and make sure we're, we're covering for each other, um, and make up for the fact that there's two in midfield, there's a possibility then getting breaking past halfway. And that we have four. I mean, Diaz is, is a revelation, isn't he? Uh, if you're talking about you know positivities, positive things to talk about, um, Thiago's been fantastic as well, Tim Simicas has been brilliant, um, Trent was r- miles better. Um and Diaz is looking sharp. So there are a lot of positive things there. It's just about trying to get this formation right. But it but essentially about picking your battles when it comes to pushing Trend forward. But four up front gives us hope, mate, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, I think like you said, it's a positive for Liverpool. Um, you know, Theo touched on they have tried this before, you know, whether or not it's something you know Klopp sticks with long term, we'll have to wait and see, but you saw the difference against Rangers, like you said, the amount of chances they were creating. And although it was Rangers and Liverpool will be playing, you know, better sides over the season, you could definitely see the difference in that game. Um, You know, it could have been easily 5 nil, 5 6 nil, but they just didn't take the chances. So, yeah, I think it would be interesting to see them, you know, just sort of trial it for a few more games, really, just to see you know, the impact it will have, because when you've got all that attacking talent on the pitch, it seems unlikely that, you know, you're not going to be scoring and creating more chances each game. So Jota obviously was playing well as well. And like you said, Diaz, he's looked really good this season. I think um, probably been Liverpool's best player, to be honest. I know a lot of people been praising Harvey Elliott, who's done really well. But I think Diaz has been probably the only one that's kind of, you know, impressed in each game he's played in and and looks really dangerous going forward. So I think he's got to be one person that's starting as many games as possible, really. You know, I know there's a lot of games coming up this season, but I'd I'd want to see Diaz playing as much as possible. Salah, obviously, is going to be another one that you are expecting to see each time. And then it just becomes like a bit of a toss-up, really, for the other sort of two spots. Firmino, um, you know, Jota, Depends on who he wants to go without those two, but again, Firmino's looks really bright this season. So yeah, I think Liverpool have got a number of good options up front, like you said, and I think it's just a case of the other departments on the pitch now sort of pulling their weight in the same manner, really. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Yeah, we have a an absolute lorry load of games, haven't we, before the break um Just alone, just these games now from October to November is about 11, is it? 11 or 12 games. Ridiculous. One every, one every, more or less an average one every three days. Um, the January transfer window obviously will loom after that, whether or not it's too late anyway, but for anything by then, we don't know. Um, do you see them making any kind of inquiries, Theo? Pugh Bellingham's flying out the blocks, isn't he? Um, He's just getting better and better every game. You get the feeling a lot of the poor fans I'm speaking to are saying we're never going to get him. That is the that is, I think, the problem a lot of the poor fans are are, are dealing with is the fact that um, there is a level of ambition with these owners um, that um, they will buy players to a certain amount, but they won't do what they certainly wouldn't do what the cities or the Chelsea's will do. And the Man United's and just make someone like Jude Bellingham a sign and a go for him. It just seems to me like people are already saying we've ducked out of that fight and we're going to try and find some 30 million pound 17 year old starlet who will be Jude Bellingham in three years. It seems to be it's a very frustrating thing, Theo, isn't it? When when that seems to be the case time after time. And there has to be this this Liverpool side has to be strengthened in the next window. There can't be any doubt about that. And we will get to the Art of situation now where he's clearly a sign and that either Klopp didn't want or he, he doesn't seem to have any business with him the guys the guys running this story that he's trying to be he's trying to be match fit so he's trying his very very best and he's playing in under 23 games it seems like a really straight it seems like another ben davies situation doesn't it where if Klopp isn't sanctioning these signings, he just has nothing to do with them
0: um i'll start with arta first it, it, it's a strange one because with him not being on the bench and you saw Besetic there, you saw two goalkeepers there, it does open that question of where is he, what's wrong with him? Um, There could have been a late injury, there could have been illness because he had trained the day before, but if not, it would point to perhaps being another Ben Davis situation where he's been brought in just to make up the numbers in case they need him, but the favour, the clock would favour, sticking with the actual squad options, the ones he wants to be part of his squad going forward, and it's one where if someone else gets injured, he's there, he can make up the numbers. If someone doesn't get injured, then, well, you just let him go. It's been a a low-cost protection for them. And then they've got the the buy clause in it, just as, well, he could come in and absolutely wow us in training, and then we would want to keep him. But it's not a signing that really excited me, because he he flopped at Barcelona, he flopped at Juventus. Now, obviously, there's a talented player in there, but he wasn't going to come in and start in this Liverpool midfield, really. Like You've got, I think, nine senior players who are already there. And it's like, well, Curtis Jones, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Keita Stroll, we're still expecting him to be back by um, end of the month. Henderson, we knew, would be back by the international break. We knew Artur Ant played since, like, May, so he wasn't going to be ready to play until October time. So it's just, well, has he picked up another injury and we're not going to see him for a bit? Or they just, yeah, you, you weigh down the peck in order, you're just here to make up numbers. But the fact they signed him online, it was that bit of protection, and it is because they want to go big for someone else. like they'll we, It's an open secret, Jude Bellingham is, if they can get him, their first choice target, I think, in midfield. They love him. Klopp loves him. You can, can't argue with that. He's a generational talent. and But that's the case of most of these top clubs in Europe at the moment. It's like, obviously, you'd look at Jude Bellingham, you'd want to sign him. Now, with Liverpool. I don't think the owners are scared of the transfer fees. I think they'd be happy to go and spend it on him if Jude Bellingham wanted the Liverpool move. Like we've seen Henderson talking to an international duty. We know they've got a bit of a relationship going there. Um, we've seen it in the past where players have had their eyes set on one club entirely. It's why Liverpool couldn't get sure Many in the summer because he only wanted to go to Real Madrid. So there was no chance of a bidding war or anything because his mind was made up. Now, if Liverpool managed to get it, so Bellingham's mind is made up, he wants Liverpool they will be happy to break their transfer record and sign him. And if he's happy to go for the wages they're offering, when you say you're on, I don't know, 140, 150 grand a week, whatever, for now, and then you do well, you win a few trophies, you go up again, as they tend to do, that's fine. The issue with it is if Bellingham is quite happy being the subject of attention for all these clubs, and he's like, oh, I'm going to speak to Real Madrid, I'm going to speak to Chelsea, I'm going to speak to Man City, and see what they're offering. And then he goes to Liverpool, or well, so and so are offering me this, so and so are offering me that, and um, Borussia Dortmund go well. You've paid, agreed to pay this fee, but they're going to pay twenty million more. If there's a bidding war, Liverpool don't stand a chance. But Klopp doesn't want to be in a bidding war anyway. Klopp is wants players who wants to play for the club, whether they're in the Champions League, Europa League, whether they're paying them one hundred and twenty grand a week, they're paying two hundred grand a week. It doesn't matter. It's all that long term game. So if Bellingham is happy to come to Liverpool now, sees it as uh, an investment for him be at the club for 10 years, hopefully win every honour going and work his way up to become one of their best midfielders. Great. If he's just there looking, I want Champions League now, in the best midfield in the world now, from the biggest, more, most money on offer now, then he's not going to be the right player for Liverpool and you have to look elsewhere. But this is what's going to open up next summer. It's going to become a saga. Uh, maybe something will happen with him in January after the World Cup, But if you're Dortmund, you don't want to sell him in January. You want a season out of him. And then you, you sit back in the summer, you can replace him. It's Liverpool, they don't tend to like moving in January. So maybe there'll be something on the cards if they can bring a deal forward, like we saw with Diaz. Or if they have injuries, they'll have to react. There might be an odd deal in there. But I can't see a major investment at this time. But there's still a couple of months to go. We don't know who's going to get injured. We don't know um, what transfer opportunity is going to arise. And it is an unprecedented campaign where it feels like three seasons in one. Like they're going to get an, a new pre-season when they go off to Dubai for their mid-season camp. and A few players are at the World Cup. So, Liverpool should be stronger in 2023. If you can sign one or two players to bolster the ranks, great. But looking at what do they necessarily need when everyone's fit? They've got the numbers. And in some cases, with Artemelo proving it, you've got too many numbers. You're just relying on everyone being available.
2: Yeah, tricky. I mean, the most important thing, Tom, is to get up that league, isn't it? Because because when we're trying to sign players like that, Champions League is imperative, isn't it? It's, It's the thing we need to. To compete with all the other clubs that want these players, he's certainly not going to want to go to a club that doesn't have Champions League football. So either way, Liverpool need to get back into winning ways. Don't think they? they need to—they need to get back to a formation that's working together or create a formation that's going to going to get stronger and provide more chances. And talking to midfield, of course, we've got. It doesn't help that we've got a 52 million pound signing in Nabi Keita who is refusing to to talk about any contract extensions at all. Uh, until January um it's possibly injured or possibly just not in favor but 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 a number eight badly needed that we for one reason or another can't play he may just be genuinely injured but signers like that are the ones you've got to try and avoid in future mate in it I mean you think he scored 17 goals in the season in 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 the Bundesliga and he's just he just hasn't done it has he 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 just hasn't been the player that we wanted to sign I mean He's he's had a couple of games where he's been great, but just there's been no consistency with him at a time when we really need him. Tom.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably sort of the biggest disappointment really regarding kater for Liverpool fans is it's not so much the you know the transfer fee that was paid because obviously a lot's been made about the money they spent on him at the time. Um, you know he's one of Liverpool's most expensive signings as well, but I think it's more to do with the fact, like you said, he's not the player that <clears throat> people expected and we saw well people may have seen clips of him at leipzig and you know he's sort of this box-to-box midfielder scoring goals breaking up play sort of able to do a lot of things in midfield and liverpool like you said we just haven't seen that that same cater so it has been frustrating because you know i'm sure you know from his point of view he would have wanted to be fit a lot more than he has been to able to sort of prove people wrong and and you know have that sort of consistent run in the team, because I don't think he's ever really had that during his time at Liverpool. It, it's always been, you know, sort of three appearances here and there, and then, you know, maybe a couple of late appearances at a game. And, you know, it just hasn't been, he hasn't had enough time to sort of show it consistently, mainly because of injuries. Um, you know, it's hard to see, you know, a situation where he now comes back in after his injury and gets that consistent run again, because I just don't think... Even now, I don't think he would come straight back in and be first choice. So, yeah, he's out of contracts at the end of the season. And I think, you know, it, I would be amazed really if, if Liverpool gave him a new contract. I just don't think it makes sense to do it. I think probably for Cater as well, it would probably be the best option to sort of try something else, you know, elsewhere really and start a new challenge because it just hasn't worked out overall for Liverpool this, this transfer. So, with Jude Bellium, like you said, with him, you know what you're getting. You know, you would imagine that sort of situation wouldn't happen if you signed him. So I don't think they'd have to worry about something like that happening if they were to spend big on him. But for Cater, as you said, it's just uh, you yeah, know a one to write off, I think, for uh, the Klopp and the transfer team.
2: Yeah, another words, sod off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you, you just did it more eloquently than I did. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of traffic going through the centre of midfield, isn't it, that Liverpool aren't aren't stopping. Um, Thiago's been brilliant. Do you think then, looking towards um, Sunday's game then against Arsenal, it's a big game, Arsenal are flying, Arsenal are doing all the things, Theo, that you said that Liverpool were doing that season where we were just nicking late goals, they seem to be nicking late wins, don't they? They seem to be coming up with it. Um, do you think it's a 4-3-3 against Arsenal, mate? Do you think he, he would have the confidence of just having a Fabinho and a, and a Thiago in there? Henderson seems to do a lot of running, doesn't he? He made some lovely moves against uh, Rangers, some pink, some lovely balls uh, over the top. Do you think it's more the case of a, of a 4-3-3 there than, and one of the front three, presumably being Jota, although I, I love him and I think he's dangerous and a great player? but um do you think it's more likely to be uh, to be a, a, a fab tiago and henderson three with diaz nunez and salad up front oh,
0: just made me think about that henderson chip three ball to nunez there that, that was glorious
2: wasn't it spectacular really from him really nice balls and they tend
0: it's a strange situation where as poor as the 433 has been this year you wouldn't necessarily have an issue with Klopp using it against Arsenal. But I think you can go for both systems. Like Henderson and Thiago work well as the two against Rangers. But Fabinho has played a lot of time in a two in his career, be it with Monaco or with Brazil. Um, it's so it, he's something he's comfortable with and it should give him a bit of protection because he wouldn't just be the last man. He's horribly out of form at the moment. But then at the same time, you'd think you'd bring him in and start one of these games, and it was giving him a rest against Rangers. Um, it, it could go either way. Like A midfield three of Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago on paper is the strongest midfield at the moment. But it didn't work against Brighton. Uh, maybe there's another tactical change they can do there. So Henderson, for example, isn't bombing forward as much. He sits a bit deeper to cover for Trent, if you're having Trent going up the line. Um, with the, the attack, it's, it's interesting because... Jota loves a goal against Arsenal. Firmino loves a goal against Arsenal. Salah loves a goal against Arsenal. But you're not dropping Diaz. And Nunes is just unleash the chaos. You know, if he starts, mad things are going to happen. You know, if he comes off the bench, mad things are going to happen. Um, but then we're talking about Liverpool actually having options. and We won't be able to say that for the first couple of months of the season. The fact that we can't second guess what clock's going to do is a good thing. As I mentioned earlier, Arsenal play 4-2-3-1 themselves. They're very much in form at the moment. You've got uh, Saka and Martinelli offering so much pace and trickery on the wings. Jesus has been an inspired signing. I-, I think we all looked at them last year when they were playing well. They just lacked that goal scorer in a f- up front to get them into the top four. Well, now they've got that uh, goal scorer. Odegaard's living up to his potential as the number 10. Jack has suddenly turned into a player that um, Liverpool have got enough in them to cause Arsenal problems. Uh, it's just, e- either formation could work. If the right Liverpool turn up on the day, then they should get the win. Like We know how good they are. They seem to be Arsenal's bogey side in recent years. And as good as Arsenal have been, they did lose, was it, to United a few weeks ago. So there's something there you can have a go at them. 4-2-3-1. I think if you go for it against Arsenal... It's the Liverpool formation for until the end of this break, until the World Cup. Like that's just what Jurgen Klopp will stick with. If he goes back to four-three-three, it's just about finding that confidence again. But when they've got these options and can play both systems, if we're struggling to work out, and we watch them every week, you'd like to think Arteta's going to be struggling too, and that could play into Liverpool's hands. That's
2: really got me excited now. The idea, and I mean, I was starting this pod thinking, no chance would you do a four-two-four-one, a four-two-three-one. But it's starting to feel like that could be a really good idea, Tom. It's starting to feel like, you know, sometimes as a red, you're watching, you go, Liverpool fans' ethos has always been, just go for it. If we get beat 4-0, but we, but we fall on our swords, go for it. Don't do this five at the back nonsense and fast about. We don't normally do that. And Now, looking at that formation, there was a lot more press. And again, I know, even when I was watching the Rangers game, I was saying to myself, I know people are going to say this is only Rangers. And that's fair enough. But there just seems to be a little bit more energy, Tom, than there has been in in, in previous games. in Liverpool have been off the pace. They seem to be snapping at it. We did say in the last pod that this Rangers first game could be exactly what we need to take a little bit of confidence into Arsenal at the at the Emirates, and and that could be the case. So, who knows if if um, Fab is horribly out of form, if um, you know if Thiago and Henderson can hold that too. It's an exciting front four up there, isn't it? And they can cause anyone any, any damage.
1: Yeah, I think if this Rangers game hadn't sort of taken place before this, you know, it's probably likely they would have just stuck with the, the 4-3-3 and, and, you know, just tried it again against Arsenal and see how it went. But like you said, the fact that it's worked so well against Rangers, there's, you know, it's, it's hard to make a case of sort of going against that now that you've seen the benefits of it and, and the impacts it can have. So... know we've seen it against Rangers it can work so you know I think it's worth I think it's worth trying it against Arsenal um it just doesn't seem like the right idea at the moment to sort of revert back to a system that hasn't been serving Liverpool well this season we've seen it sort of in every game um so he may well go back to 4-3-3 may throw Fabinho back in and just surprise us all but um I think it's worth trying it. Like Theo said, it might sort of surprise Arsenal. They may not be expecting it. And I think just with the way things are at the moment in the league, Liverpool, in a way, haven't really got anything to lose by trying it because if you go back to four through three it doesn't work, everyone after the game's gonna be saying, Oh, why did you stick with four three? Should have gone, should have kept four through three one. And then Klopp's gonna be in a difficult position where, you know, he's having to justify why he's gone back to that sort of old system that hasn't been working. So yeah, I think it's worth doing it. Whether or not he does it, we'll have to wait and see. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel.
2: We will indeed have to wait and see. Two massive games coming up, boys. Two massive games, um, Rangers aside. Rangers are, are the meat in an Arsenal Man City sandwich. And um, City's are home, so the crowd can play a huge part in that. Um, watching them at the moment is is, is a bit depressing, isn't it? Because it just looks like it's like playing Monopoly with one of your horrible cousins who just bought everything up in the first five minutes, and you and, and then you're landing on his hotel all the time, and he just smiles at you with his chubby green teeth and said, "Give me some more money." This is what City are like, isn't it? They're just playing Monopoly with football at the moment, aren't they? And seem seemingly sponsored by. Um, companies that um, that have CEOs that you, that you can get their image free on Amazon. I don't know whether you've seen the X-bet. uh the 8x bet fiasco saga that's going on at the moment, but 8x bet, uh, one of the sponsors advertising uh, at the Etihad. And I don't know whether somebody had power shopped it or what or, or you know, um photoshopped it, but um, the CEO of the company 8 Bet, is is a, is a Malaysian woman whose face is is um, is also in free picture frames on on Amazon. So whether or not someone's playing loose and fast with the rules again, or whether someone's just winding them up, I don't know. But the idea that you can bring in a player like like Harland into that team as it is, it just makes it a little bit depressing for us. And and any kind of fight that Liverpool are putting up. Um, it feels that much further away now, doesn't it? So these two next games huge. If we can get a result against Arsenal, and maybe we have found a formation that starts working, you know, Diaz is his usual incredible self, and Nunez can start finding the back of the net. Um, it could be a completely different story. Let's have a let's have a prediction for the Arsenal game, and then we'll leave you alone. Uh, Arsenal, Tom, can we uh, can we turn things around this Arsenal game, mate?
1: Uh, I'm actually quite worried about this game because. I'm actually more worried about um, Not every game at the moment. No, more, <laughs> worry, more worried about playing Arsenal than Man City, to be honest, because I think Arsenal have just been so impressive. Like I've watched a lot of their games this season; they they're playing really well. Arteta looks to have sort of finally, you know, got it right. Arsenal having been given that time to sort of, you know, implement what he wants to do. So, I think, like you said, against City, things like the crowd playing at Anfield, you know, it's a, it's a big game. The crowd will be up for it. And I think all that will play into it. And i think the fact that you know we're playing at arsenal they're going to be up for it they, they you know they're loving the team that you know it's all positive at the moment so that's what sort of worries me about this game um i actually think arsenal will will keep this up all season as well i can see them sort of finishing either second or third i think they'll push city this season um so i don't know it's a hard one to call um, I'm actually think it might be a draw so might go for 2-2 two, two. I think it's going to be goals but I'm not sure if they're going to get the win this time so I might say 2-2 two, two.
2: Um, I I can't see them keeping this up I'll be honest with you because they're Arsenal I don't know I can't <laughs> I can't see them keeping up I think, I think they're I think they're playing on on a, on a bit of a crest of a wave at the moment but I think it, I, I, I feel like the wheels might come off at some point you never know Theo what do you think my friend
0: um I was always just going to say the opposite of Tom, to be honest. So if Tom had been all confident, (laughs) I was going to give it the hard sell. But no, I can be nice and confident there. Uh, Arsenal are always going to... Arsenal, I'm with you, Fitz. I don't think they can keep it up. And I think there will be a point where the wheels come off a little bit. I, I do think they'll get top four this year. They have improved significantly. But they're still not at the level of a Man City. And we've seen them before where they start the season... Granted, it's been a few, number of years now since they're in this situation, but they start the season so well and the wheels just came off halfway when they'd finished like fourth in a two horse title race, something like that. Um, you look at who they've played on paper, apart from United, it's none of the big teams. Yeah, they're getting victories. Um, oh, I'll say that they, they won the derby last week, <laughs> but like they haven't had a real setback at home yet. And we know what the Arsenal fans are like. So if Liverpool start explosively, like we've seen them do years and years now and they really get Arsenal and get an open goal who knows how their crowd's going to react like are they going to get behind the team or are they going to get frustrated Liverpool got a great record against Arsenal and Jurgen Klopp they've thrashed them a good few times maybe not the Emirates but they've got this uh mental hold over them at the moment I suppose the Arsenal argument would be that's got to end at some point but then it is a good game for Liverpool to find their form because they've got nothing to lose like they've got a reason to be up for it that little bit more. They know they need to win to stay in title contention as early as it is in the season. Um, if you need to turn it on, this is the game you turn it on for, and then it gives you the momentum going into Rangers away and then Man City. So let's be confident. Let's go for it. a 2-0 win. Like it's probably the first time I've predicted a clean sheet this season, but I just think Liverpool, in these games against the big teams, this year we're going to see them find that extra level that has been lacking so far this season. And I'll probably choose a completely different prediction on Blood Red tomorrow. But you, (laughs) see. I'll be nice and positive.
2: Thank you, my friend. You have to end the positive. It wasn't too long ago I watched Liverpool destroy Arsenal uh, at home at Anfield. I think it was the first game of the season, a couple of seasons ago. It was 4-0, was it or something? That's Um, happened a
0: few times, yeah.
2: (laughs) uh, Danny Ceballos, who played for, for Arsenal at the time afterwards, said, Liverpool, take away your air. And it was such an incredible comment to make and that was the liverpool we need to see back we need to see that from the first whistle don't we another listen they've gone every single game last season they're probably disappointed uh, uh, at how it ended the amount of games you don't know what goes on it's not all about fitness uh, in the legs it's about fitness in the mind as well but we need that front foot first whistle game slick passing and we can be a match for anyone i'm going to go 2-1 i'm going to suggest that they nick one but i'm going to go 2-1 to liverpool and hopefully it's the start of better things to come. Uh, just quickly before we go, congratulations to Xabi Alonso. Absolute legend at Liverpool has taken over as Bayer Leverkusen manager. Uh, and the start of no doubt what will be a very, very successful uh, management career for him. An incredible player. Uh, so no reason why he won't make a brilliant coach. Thank you very much, uh, Theo Squires, for your, uh, for your opinions today, mate. No worries. Cheers for having us on Thursday as ever. Much obliged, my friend. Look forward to seeing you soon. Tom Kavir, thank you very much. You can pop on the sunbed now. Cheers.
1: <laughs> uh, you're very
2: welcome, mate. Uh, that is it from me for another um, Poetry Emotion. We have to keep the faith. We saw Trent, a much better Trent on the front foot, doing what he does best. Um, if we can get back to that kind of formation and, and, and find something new, um, then, uh, then we can turn the season around. Um, keep supporting the Reds, as you always do. Have a uh, great day, and we'll see you on the next Poetry Emotion you've been listening to the poetry in motion podcast on the blood red channel